Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Season five begins. Nice. The season of the audience this is going to be a good one because oh, this is not yeah. a forgotten gem. Today we are doing Mike Field's favorite movie. No, that's incorrect. How do you let some guy talk to you like that? That's yeah. You never once did I smile. Never once did I laugh. While I watched this movie with a, my mouth agape, I could actually feel my soul leave my body. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. As you may know already, each episode we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. But this season, we're not picking the movies. You, the audience, have selected our films. We're going to discuss what we love, like, or maybe not like about your movie, but we thank you for sharing your passion for the film. And as always, we recommend that everyone revisits the movie we're talking about this week. You never know, you could discover your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please let everyone know by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Woo! What's going on, it. man? Uh, what is going not on? Not a whole lot. Not a whole heck of a lot? Nice. Not a, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. That's right. I was drinking with my buddy earlier, and uh, you know things got a little out of hand, and you know, shot himself. But you know, other than that, everything's fine. I like I like your illusion uh, segue. segue to the movie we're doing this week. So why don't you tell everyone what we're doing, and I guess go right into a little synopsis of it, and then I will bust out the figgity facts. All right. So I am. We are. We are talking about today the 1998 crime comedy. It's it is crime. It's listed it's, as a crime comedy. It's always listed as a crime comedy. I I don't agree with that, but we'll get into that. Uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Vince Vaughn, and Janine Garofalo. Clay Pigeons is about Clay Bidwell, who is a young man in a small town who witnesses his friend Earl kill himself because of the ongoing affair that Clay was having with his wife, Amanda. Feeling guilty, Clay now resists the widow when she presses him to continue their affair as if nothing ever happened. Basically, Amanda, one crazy, crazy lady. (laughs) Uh, Clay's problems worsen when he inadvertently befriends a serial killer named Lester Long, played by Vince Vaughn, who murders the nagging widow in an attempt to help his new fishing buddy. Clay is horrified, but does not go to the police for fear of his role in Earl's suicide coming to light. FBI agent Dale Shelby and her partner, Renard, come to town and zero in on Clay as their prime suspect. And that is the plot from Wikipedia, which is actually not bad. Yeah, it's okay. So I should say that before we move forward and bust out the facts that this was suggested to us by a follower of ours on Twitter, uh, Shane Beauregard, at Shane Media Mosh. Um, he, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a description of his uh, podcast. On from Twitter, just to kind of give him a shout out. So, like I said, is at Shane Media Mosh, a one man show giving you all the news, reviews, and previews on what to watch on your streaming services and local theater with the occasional rant. Uh, he is uh, situated in Greensboro, North Carolina. We are friends from online pretty much, I think, through the podcast, the direct message link that we always, when I share stuff to the videos and yep. stuff like that, I think that's where we kind of hooked up. But, uh, but Shane, thank you very much for suggesting this. I had seen Clay Pigeons a long time ago. Um, despite what you hear next in the next uh, 45 minutes, if it seems like we don't like the movie or we have some issues, that does not mean we do not appreciate you suggesting it because I actually, as I said before, I enjoy this season because these are movies that we did not select. So I kind of like watching stuff that I wouldn't have thought of that other people think, right? I think, I think this is pretty cool. So anyways, and, uh, here's Shane telling us why he chose Clay Pigeons. Hey, this is Shane from Your Media Mosh Podcast. I'd like to thank Mike and Mike not only for selecting my movie to be in their newest season of Forgotten Cinema, but also let me introduce that movie. And I chose 1998's Clay Pigeons. Why I chose this movie, I absolutely love this movie. It stars Joaquin Phoenix, Vince Vaughn, and Gene Garofalo. And it was the cast that actually drew me to the movie. It is a dark comedy in the vein of Fargo. Now, I'm not saying this is as good as Fargo, but there are elements of Fargo in this movie. So if you're into dark comedies like I am, this should be right up your alley. But going back to the cast, you have Joaquin Phoenix, who just sets off a sequence of events that leaves him scrambling. And eventually the FBI comes to town in the form of Jim Garofalo. What makes matters worse is he makes so-called, quote unquote, a friend 
in a drifter named Lester Long, played by Vince Vaughn, that only complicates matters. But it is the chemistry between Vince Vaughn and Joaquin Phoenix that makes this movie go. I know a lot of people in 2020 don't really care about Vince Vaughn, but this is a different role for him. Still to this day, it's a different role for him. I like his over-the-top, cheesy take on this character. I Again, I loved everything about this movie, but it's the cast, the storytelling, and the chemistry that bring this movie together. Why I think it was forgotten, it slid under the radar in 1998, uh, came out mid-September. It opened up number 20 in the box office. It grossed $167,000 opening weekend. I think its grand total was $1.8 million. Now, at the time, Vince Vaughn was coming off of Swingers and Jurassic Park 2, so he was still an up-and-comer. You had Joaquin Phoenix, who is not the Joaquin Phoenix we know right now. He was just coming off of To Die For with Nicole Kidman and inventing the Abbott. So he was still gaining traction as we speak. So maybe it was because there was really no A-list celebrity helming this. I think at the time you can argue Jeanine Garofalo was the most recognizable star of this cast. But um, yeah, that's the only thing I could think of is why I was forgotten. Other than the fact that if you ask 10 random people if they've seen it, I guarantee you only probably one have seen this movie. So I hope you guys enjoy. Again, I really appreciate you. Let me introduce this movie. And you can go check me out at the Apple Podcast Store, Media Mosh. And thanks again, Mike and Mike, for having me on Forgotten Cinema. I appreciate it. Nice. All right. Nice. Thank you. Those are some good points, probably. <laughs> so thanks again, Shane. And guys, everyone out there, want to check him out at Shane Media Mosh. He's on Twitter. Um, check out the show. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. So here we go. Clay Pigeons. Runtime of 104 minutes. Rated R. Production budget of $8 million, which is evident. Uh, release date of Friday, September 25th, 1998, as Mike said. Opening weekend, it pulled in a big-time whopping $167,000. Domestic and worldwide are the same, so obviously did not get an international release. Uh, that's not true. I have ooh, a July ooh. 22nd, 1999 Germany release date. Okay, I'm not counting that. So, so it must have made tens of dollars. Uh, then yeah, that I'm not counting that. So <laughs> $1.8 million was its total taken. So clearly not a big hit. Now, its release date domestically on the 25th is a limited release date. It never got a wide release. So this is only in limited in theater. So you probably only would have caught this maybe at if it was like if there's like an 18 screen multiplex, it was in one of the theaters or you probably saw it more on um, small town theaters or stuff like that. Like, right. you know, like not 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 still first run theaters, but first run theaters that do independent films because this is definitely an indie film, which is something I really appreciate about it. There, It's not terrible. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, I'm saying that I I. With it's, any indie film that we watch or with any indie film that I watch, I don't kind of give it a I'm not so critical of it as I would be something that has 80 million dollars behind it just because I can appreciate what goes into making an indie film. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's all. And, and I appreciate what the stuff they're doing and, and whatnot. So anyways, it came out on the 25th that it came up against Ronan, the uh, John Frankenheimer movie starring Robert De Niro. Mm hmm. Did you see that? You saw that. That, that, that yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Urban Legend, the first one, the I original, like as well, and in a limited uh, release, Pecker. Did you ever see Pecker? It's interesting. Mm, I uh, heard of it. The week before, you had Rush Hour, the first Rush Hour, so big time hit. One True Thing, Simon Birch, and then the limited run, Permanent Midnight. Little fun fact for everyone out there. So Simon Birch was the first movie that I took my girlfriend, now wife at the time, to our. That was our first movie. And I actually, she actually framed the ticket stuff for that Simon Birch show, and they're up in our bedroom. Oh, I know, right? Isn't that nice? That's nice. Yeah, we should do that as a forgotten. Cinema. We went to we, went, we <laughs> saw Simon. Well, I don't know about that. We saw Simon Birch, and then we went to Pizzeria Uno, nice. and then we got. And I think I got pizza, or no, I think I got the potato thing, the the, the little deep dish potato thing they have, the appetite. Yeah. Look at that. You, good times. Good times. Did good you get times. me it? Was there was there meat in your diet at that point, or no? Yes. Yes. I didn't become a vegetarian until well, I didn't become a vegetarian until we we got married. So that was five years later. Nice. I know I didn't wait that. I know I waited too long. I apologize. Wait, I had to be okay. sure. I had to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so the week after the 25th, you had, which was October 2nd, you had What Dreams May Come, the Robert, uh, not Robert De Niro, um, the Robin Williams, Robin Williams movie, which I think I want to rewatch because I think I was too young for it back then. I really like What Dreams May Come. But last time I suggested it, you kind of. Yeah, I don't. I because I never really liked it. I just didn't like it. It's really sad. Like almost like. That's true, too. It, toward the beginning, it's really like, really? 
really when when all yeah. the bad stuff happens to yeah, Robin yeah. Williams and his wife, it's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it doesn't really get that much happier as the movie goes on, but it's a really beautiful and well acted movie. But it yeah, looks it is, great. I know it, it looks is great. Really depressing. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Some of those movies you can't go back to. Um, Ants with a Z. Uh, the uh, Stallone Woody Allen movie. It's the only Woody Allen movie I like. Oh, well, we've, you know, we've like, done a lot of movies that take place around ants. We've mentioned ants quite a few times. No, we mentioned ants in reference to something in the last episode, I think. No, the, there have been one or two, though. Really? There have been a few, yeah. Right. Not at the Roxbury, which I'm going to tell you right now, I kind of like parts of. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like I kind of like parts of. And in a limited run, The Imposters, and another limited run, Strangeland. That was the Strangeland's the uh, weird horror movie with uh, Dee Snyder. Okay, uh, yep. Lead singer from Twisted Sister. Okay, so this Clay Pigeons was directed by David Dobkin. He has also gone on to do Wedding Crashers, Fred Claus, and The Judge. The Judge is pretty good. I like The Judge. Um, Dobkin clearly is somebody, he's either friendly with Vince Vaughn or they're, you know, they work well together because they've done a bunch of movies together. Right. Written by Matthew Healy. He has no other credits after this, so I guess that was it. One and done. Cinematography by Eric Allen Edwards. Uh, he has worked on Kids, Knocked Up, To Die For, which I really like, and My Own Private Idaho, another good one. Mm -hmm. uh, composed Composer John Lurie. Uh, Stranger Than Paradise, Get Shorty, Excess Baggage. Get Shorty's a great movie. Edited by Stan Salfas. I think I said that right. I'm not sure. I think that's a... He's done both Dawn and War of the Planet of the Apes. I like that. You like that. The Let Me In, I believe the remake. Uh, and The Paul Bearer, the uh, David Schwimmer movie. I've never seen that one. I have. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time I'd watch everything. I'll, I watch anything now. I, I just watched Jay and Son Above the reboot. So, you know, I'll, I will watch anything. You liked it. I did. That's because it's the 90s kidding me. <laughs> Produced by Ridley Scott. Um, I mean, everyone knows who Ridley Scott is. If you don't, he's done The Martian, Blade Runner, The Gladiator. This is actually the first movie under the Scott Free production logo, which was Ridley and Tony Scott's uh, production company. When I started, when we started the movie and, um, well, we didn't start, we didn't watch it together, but when I started the movie and I saw the Scott Free logo pop up, I was like, wow, I don't think I've ever remembered a movie yeah. this early that mm -hmm. had that logo. First movie. And then also produced by Chris Zarpes. I apologize if I said that name wrong. He had done G.I. Jane, The Sandlot, and Strictly Business. Let's get into the cast. Joaquin Phoenix plays Clay. If you don't know already, Joaquin won the Oscar for Jizzbrough Joker. He's also in Walk the Line, which is awesome. Her and Gladiator. Vince Vaughn is Lester, as Mike said before. Swingers, Wedding Crashers, The Breakup. Janine Garofalo plays Agent Shelby. She is from Reality Bites, Mystery Men, which we're doing in a couple weeks, and Wet Hot American Summer, which is awesome. Scott Wilson, uh, who recently passed away, uh, I think a year ago, two years ago, oh, that's plays, too bad. plays Sheriff Mooney. He's everyone probably knows him now from The Walking Dead, the TV show. He was on there for like seven or eight seasons. And he's also he was also in In Cold Blood. He played one of the uh, murderers in In Cold Blood, the original one. Nice. And he was in The Great Gatsby. Uh, he's the one that shoots Redford in The Great Gatsby. Oh, really? Yes. All right, yeah. Cool. So if you if you know Scott Wilson from The Walking Dead, the TV show, that's great. But you should actually go look at some of his older stuff because he's got a lot of rave reviews for the two movies I just said and others. Yeah, he's really good in Great Gatsby. Right. You never, I didn't even realize because right. he's so much older now and Clay Pigeons and right. Walking Dead and stuff. One of the things that, not to cut in, one of the things that I like when we do these podcasts, these episodes, and we talk about movies and we see the older actors, I always like going back and seeing what else they've done because you don't think about that when you're watching. You just see, oh, this old sheriff guy, he's funny. Yeah. You know, he's good. But then you don't realize that these guys have such a huge career. And you and it's 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 kind of fun to go back and see like oh man he was in that oh I didn't know that he did this and you kind of want to go back and see that yeah so I don't know I don't know I guess that's your my piece PSA for the day nice Georgina Cates as Amanda uh, she's from Bad Grandpa and an awfully big Avenger she hasn't done a lot uh, George Sporleader Sporletter is Earl he's the gentleman that shoots himself in the beginning of the movie mm -hmm. I always remember him from The Rock when he when he has the yeah. <laughs> he has the grenades three two one go okay and then Twister Black Hawk Down Vince Veloof. Vyloff? Vyloff? I don't know. He played yeah. Deputy Barney, the the idiot deputy in this movie. From Firewall, epic movie and Rat Race. And then Phil Morris plays Agent Renard. And his very first movie role of Mike was Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. Nice. He's also in Jingle All the Way and Black Dynamite. He's also in a um, sci-fi original show, I think. Oh, that's good. I can't remember which one. I think he was an alien. Oh, He's maybe. An alien shapeshifter who tried to kill people. Nice. I can't remember the name of the show. So this is produced by Polygram Filmed Entertainment and as I said before, Scott Free Productions and it was distributed by Gramercy Pictures. That's going to be a staple now, Mike. I'm going to keep putting that. I'm going to, I, I created a new box. In distributed my, by? Just kind of, I, I wanted to put down the production companies and the dis distribution just to have it because it's a fact that we don't have. You've had it so many, you got to send me your new sheet. I will. Wait, I, is it colored pink and purple? Or did no, I do it's colored that? purple. I colored my, no, you, you put a dark color to it. 
Right. We are now talking about our spreadsheet we use here. (laughs) You put a dark tinge to it. I have it still white, but it's got purple. Oh, no. I had to have it dark. Dark on dark on light. That's how you read. Whatever. I like my eyeballs. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I guess where where do you want to start? If you want to start from the beginning? Sure. Because one of the first things. So the beginning of the movie starts and Clay and his friend Earl are shooting. And, you know, then you find out that Earl knows that Clay is sleeping with his wife. And Earl decides he's going to kill himself and make it look like Clay did it so that Clay can go to jail. Because he can't he can't bear to kill his best. Correct. Now, two things. One, I cannot stand in movies how easy it is for people to kill themselves, like to give themselves up to just, you know, off themselves. I, I don't understand that. And two, it's 1998. I know it's a small town. It's Mercer, Montana. I'm pretty sure they can figure out the angle of guns at this point. And if a self-inflicted gunshot wound, you know, like how it's, you know what I mean? Like they're going to, there's powder burns on his hands. Well, they've been shooting all day. That was the whole point. True. They've both been shooting. They're both drinking. True. But they're going to know that he put the gun to his knee because that's what he does first. He shoots himself in the leg. Shoots himself in the leg. Yeah. And then shoots himself in In the the chest. chest. Yeah. Much like Heath Ledger from Monsters Ball. That's how he killed himself in that movie. I don't know why that's popping in my head, but yeah. So, so right off the bat, I was just kind of, eh, I don't know. See, I I like that the story just starts. I like that. It just kind of like, all right, here's the story. Here's Earl. Here's Clay. Boom. This is how we get introduced to their characters. This is the starting action is the, is the entrance into the movie, which I kind of enjoy. It sets off the chain of events because I, I, I don't want to drag on Clay too much. He's not actually super. His situation is interesting, but he himself is not an interesting character. Well, you get the sense that I you don't really get the sense of Clay because obviously he's not a good guy. He's cheating on his best friend with his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, you know, and then they're recording it and it, it, you get the sense that Clay kind of gets around or yeah, he's eligible bachelor. I know Mercer. It's considered a small town. I have to laugh because I keep I've said it now twice that it's Mercer, Montana. And so we, when I look through notes, I look through Wikipedia and I look through IMDb Pro and, and all that stuff. And and people, it's a lot of these, some of these notes are people will post them. And one of the notes was, though never spoken in the film, the town is Mercer, Montana. It's like, well, if you looked on the patches of the police uniforms, you would have seen it already. You didn't have, <laughs> that note is stupid. But anyways, uh, I, I digress. Um, it's a small town. I guess it seems like he get. It seems like he's a nice guy, gets around, but then maybe he's not a nice guy. But then you're supposed to root for him at the end. It, it, I know it's a it's it's a noir film. It's a crime it's, comedy. It's Red Rock West esque, but not but but not as dark. I think Red Rock has a lot more. When and for those who don't know, we've we've done Red Rock West and season one. I think Red Rock has a lot is more of a darker tone and more seriousness, obviously. Yeah. So the I mean, stakes are higher. Well, one of the, I know that one of the, I have a quote here from Phoenix who, well, I don't have a quote, but he was, he was hesitant to take the role because he thought that audiences wouldn't understand or wouldn't get the, the humor and violence mixed together. It would be very difficult for them to grasp the movie, but he did it. He, he changed his mind after meeting the director and then kind of, I guess he must have got him excited and talked him into it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, I can understand why you take the role, but I think his initial hesitation was, was accurate because it is very difficult to, get yourself into the movie because it you don't know when you're supposed to laugh or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, uh, that's why I don't want, that's why I hesitate to call it a comedy when I keep reading that it's a comedy. It's, that's how they market. That's how that's, they write it. That's not. Uh, that's how they, that's how they, they're just, you're supposed to laugh when agent Shelby's yelling at deputy Barney for stepping into the blood when he comes in. I get that. Yeah. And I get like, can you not book the body with the stick? Yeah, and that's I get the, the, the vibrating bed. Right, right. You're that, that's all. That's where the comedy is. Lester's dumb laugh. <laughs> no. Well, that's that's Vince Vaughn's laugh. He was laughing like that in Swingers. Yeah. Um, one of the things I know you said that you liked how it just started. One of the things I noticed from the beginning was the the, the credits, '90s credits, oh and my the God. '90s music. Like I have that. that. That's one of my. That's yeah. my first note. Like the, '90s music. All right. Yeah. And I put '90s font. Oh no. And then let's. And I want to get into this now because I had asked my friend, the, my friend who's a cinematographer, about this. The '90s lighting. So we talked about Red Oak West, where they just lit everything. Mm-hmm. This movie is just kind of like everything is lit. Oh yeah. Everything has one sourced lighting wherever it is. And there's times when they're searching Clay's house for, they have the warrant to search for this house. Which, by the way, is the most unorganized search warrant ever. It's just the two FBI agents. Yeah. And they go 
from the bathroom to the kitchen to the living room to the bathroom. They're, they're all over oh, the that, place. That's another note I had. That <laughs> That's another note. We'll get to that. But yes, but there's shadows on him in that. From, yes. Like, so there's a, there's definitely a bright light right on the other side of the camera and just highlighting the entire image. And I'm like, I mean, I get the shadows in life, but come on now. I'm not casting shadows in that, in, in my rooms, in my house. So there's a lot of that. It's, and even when they're outside, it, it, they shot in Utah, but it's beautiful land. Mm-hmm. And you, you, that's fine with me. That's great. When they're fishing, um, when they're shooting, you know, that kind of stuff, when they're outside. The set, the shooting. The day stuff. Yeah. Nice. The day stuff is, is, is great. And so you're going to get all that even light. But on the inside, it's just a little too. It's, it's not, I don't know if I want more like Red Rock, darker, deeper tones, more shadows, more. Red Rock had that same problem when they were indoors though, too. Mm-hmm. When you talk about when Nicolas Cage goes inside that place, yeah. that place and it's just lit. It's the same issue. I think it's just the budget. Yeah. Which we talked no, about that's Red probably, Rock West that's as right. Well. And I, and again, we're sitting here. I'm just, I'm not rambling, but I'm just kind of. Just talking, yeah. talking aloud. And, and I'm not, it's not a, it's not a negative or a positive. It's just kind of like what I noticed. The thing I noticed going off of that is you talk about how everything is even lighting. It's just like that, except for when Lester's going to kill Amanda. As soon as they oh, in, get inside the bedroom. As, yeah. As soon as they, as soon as he's in the kitchen, he gets his beer, which who just kind of goes into somebody else's kitchen. Just grabs Lester him. Long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's got a green tinge to it. It's like it was, that was colorized. I know. So as soon as I'm like, they haven't colorized any other scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're giving me like serial killer color tones. Well, a lot of the stuff, right. A lot of the stuff at night was stylized when they meet outside, when you first kind of Lester kind of first reveals to clay his intentions and they meet at the water. Yeah. The lake. Yep. At the lake and they had the car and the smoke. Well, yeah, there's so much fun. It's like an X-Files scene from the X-Files. Yeah. The end of the movie when he's on the dock. That's a little bit more stylized. Probably she runs into the, the wood. Day. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure. So a lot of the night stuff is is more stylized than the day stuff. Um, but even when they go, when he goes to murder in there, her room is now lit with these orange tones as well. Sure. It's just like they started using colors in that one scene and then stopped. Right. You know, and, and he's clearly, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I got the intention in that scene that he was entering the exit, if you will, when he was on top. When they oh, were, yes, yeah. Yes. And it's like, Real easy. Like, like, <laughs> well, come on now. That's just lesser, baby. No, I get you. <laughs> I get you. Maybe, I guess the overall aspect of this movie, maybe it's instead of towing the line between seriousness and comedy or crime and comedy, it should choose one. Yes, I, to, I for agree. It to, to maybe take it to the next level of just instead of being, oh, man, Clay Pigeons. Yeah, I saw that movie. That's not bad. To being like, oh, Clay Pigeons, you got to see that. Because mm-hmm. I think, now, not, not to say that it would do well either way but i think we're both struggling with kind of how to take in the movie you know visually and and because we don't know we're kind of confused in terms of what what they're trying to do here then that's probably that's probably that's probably a great note that that you brought up so that's nice job can't separate the darkness from the the light just well i there's there's camera techniques in this movie that i enjoy i like when they pan down when clay's in jail and they pan down from the white brick and they go down him laying on the cot and it's almost like a fisheye lens. It's like, it, that's you know nice. I, mean? that's, I love the, it's probably a wide angle shot. The super wide, wide at the, when Earl shoots himself and then uh, Clay runs to him. Right. Just shows right. how, like how isolated they on are. The hill. Scene. Yep. I thought that shot was really good. Yeah. These things, I don't know if I like or not, but when, when Lester shows up at the jail and he's just chilling there and then he lights his cigarette, they do some kind of snap cut cue with the audio. I hate it. Yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. They they do that a lot. Yeah. Okay. These, Kai, these I, I know they didn't. I couldn't remember what scenes. They they do that with the uh, bottle at the very beginning. And okay. I hate it. <laughs> they do this weird slow motion when the truck's going down, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. They, they they play with these early '80s, these '80s to '90s camera tricks of slow motion of snap cuts that mm-hmm. really just don't belong anywhere. And these the big echo, like when he snaps it, it's like with the uh, lighter and just echoes over and over and over. Yeah. Like it's yeah. this big. Thing. He's he's behind bars. They're not close to each other. There's no tension there mm-hmm. at all with lighting the cigarette, which I think they the assumption is there is a tension there or like with the beer bottles, you're supposed to be shocked when it explodes, even though why else would you hang beer bottles from a branch right. in the middle of nowhere? That's just you're saying I, the motivation is more to, to hey, to let's do, do something cool right. rather than what's in the story, which makes sense because this is Dobkin's first film, his directorial debut. I can tell. 
Um, what about when Lester meets Shelby in the bar? I like that scene quite a bit. But I didn't understand why they went to extreme close-ups on their faces. I didn't get that. That, to me, was a little... Because he meets her, and it's, it's, it's in a medium shot or two shot sometimes. And then they start talking, and it's like, boom, face, face, back and forth. I'm just like, we're a little too close here for me. See, I like that, because I think it really shows that emotion coming through, and mm-hmm. it's very personal. Mm-hmm. And before this, you didn't have a very personal uh, look at Agent Shelby's... The Agent Shelby's person. She was very closed off. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he breaks her, that's when you go to the extreme close up. Once she shakes his hand and she's like, what the hell? And she shakes <laughs> his hand. Then you get those extreme close ups and then you get her smiling and laughing and twirling her hair and giggling and being, being very, very enamored by Lester. And you can see Lester's working his angle. That's when those extreme close ups come. So I actually quite like that. Now, I read that Garofalo, who plays Shelby, the biggest reason she took this role was to take the quote unquote edge off, as she says, of the occasional violence against women on the screen. It was a strong female role. But she's well known for that. True. And I understand that comment. I just don't think I see that on screen, like in terms of it taking the edge off because it's, it's, it's a big male movie and she's like consistently like harping on Barney and playing catch up a lot of times. Well, harping on Barney cause he sucks. No, he does. <laughs> Correct. And I I can see it being a stronger role. Oh, she's definitely a strong female character in this. Yeah, movie. I, th- I think that's more what she tries. She means. Like I think it should. I, well I think they should have done more with her. I I absolutely agree. And you're right though when you talk about the warrant because it wouldn't be two FBI agents issuing a warrant. It would be them and probably like trainees or there's a field office in Montana. Yes. So they would show up and they would a bunch of murders if they're tracking a serial killer across the state mm-hmm. and he's high that high profile there's more than two people working on the case oh for sure and so that leads me to my next note where this feels like a script that was written in school in a film school written by somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with the events and the people and the fbi and and just the kind of machinations didn't do the research uh, well, yeah maybe kind of. didn't do the research just did kind of cursory research the machinations of how law enforcement work. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of the sheriff on the sheriff level, uh, uh, that's fine. I mean, like when you get into the FBI involvement, when you get into the, the, the crime scene stuff, it just, it just, it seems very indie school, very second draft ish and it needed a, a polish of somebody that kind of maybe had more experience on that. Which is why I'm surprised they were able to get Vince Vaughn. After coming off well, the swingers. Well, clearly him, I would assume, well, it, I can understand taking this movie because it's, it's a good role. It's a good role to take. It, it's an indie, it was probably role. a hot indie script, you know, and it's like, what do you want to do next? Let's do something that's different from mm-hmm. swingers. Let's do something that's, you know, cause he's, when you hit with swingers, you are flooded with hundreds of scripts. Of scripts. Yeah. So you're going to pick one. You got to pick your neck. And, and at that point, that's when your agents in your ear and your managers in your ear going, okay, we, you want to get to the next level. This is what we need to do. We see it all the time with action stars and, and comedy stars. You got to do something serious. You got to do something. You know, you, right. You start get, to expand right. your thing, which is this is a, this is an interesting role for Vince Vaughn sure. playing this this seedy kind of smooth character. That's a, a, a bad guy. Right. I mean, I don't really know. He plays doesn't play that many bad guys. Would you. Uh, Obviously, true crime. He's a bad guy. He's uh, I can't, didn't ever watched it, but he did the the what is it, Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine or something like that. That's like recent. Is he the bad guy in that, or he's like the anti hero in that? I think he's the anti hero. Yeah. I don't think he's the bad guy. Isn't he the bad guy in that movie with Travolta where he's beating his wife? Travolta's yep. dating his wife, and Vince Vaughn's the ex. Yes, or he's the bad there, guy. There's in that. A, there yeah. are a couple of roles. Yeah, let me ask you this: What do you think if the two main leads switched? And Joaquin played Clay, played Lester, and Vince Vaughn played Clay. Mm, I don't know. Really, I I would believe too easily that Joaquin Phoenix was a serial killer. I think. Okay. Well, but he's got. But I think he would. If he played Lester. I think it, there probably would have been a lot more to it, and I would have liked to have seen that. I don't think Vince Vaughn could play Clay because he's honestly he's too tall. He's too of a and. A towering figure, yeah, right? You wouldn't believe he could be meek and be somebody Controlled who would, right? Like that, would yeah. Be, yeah. So that I understand why he plays Lester because he is a he's and he's supposed to be a charming guy, he's supposed to be a good looking guy, and stuff like right. that. You're right about Phoenix because that's not his character. That is interesting. If if they swapped, what would that be like? 
I think he'd be a much more creepy kind of Ted Bundy type serial killer type. Maybe. Guy. Like just. Ugh. Yeah. No. I think they just should have done more with Lester and his friendship with Clay would have established Lester's character a little bit more. It's a fast friendship. It's, a, it's too fast. Although you do feel like Lester's true. Uh, being true when he says you're my best, we're best buddies, we're we're fishing buddies. We like he has this connection to him immediately that obviously Clay doesn't share. But you don't feel like it's it, like you said, it's too fast. Mm-hmm. Although he is also crazy. Well, at the same yeah, time, so maybe he should be a little bit more obsessive. Well, Lester is basing this entire friendship on one slap he sees in the bar, which is a huge slap. It is. He a, it is crap a slap of slaps, but you know what? She deserves it. She's not a nice character. She's a terrible. Amanda's very and a murderer. So <laughs> true. Yeah. That, that. I thought it was really easy for Clay to get rid of bodies in this movie. <laughs> that was one of my first thoughts when he, he destroys Earl. Like he gets rid of the body real quick. I was like, I thought everything. You're never gonna get out of this. He's lucky the the Five truck exploded. Later, oh yeah, he brings it down the mountain. He's like. Oh, come on. So like ba- waiting for it to explode. For those who might not have seen it or didn't remember. Uh, so Earl kills himself. So Clay puts him in a truck and he pushes him off this road into the quarry. And and then the the truck explodes. So it destroys, quote unquote, any evidence of any of the gunshots, which, again, I still think they would have figured it out. But it's small town. I get like, you know, he was drinking and they just kind of chalk it up to that. If he was one of like if he was suspected as being one of the murder suspects of the serial killer. Sure, they would have done. Yeah. But like. The sheriff even says no, no need to do an autopsy. Right. And I get that. That's fine. And so they so, kind of write that off. Right. So this is the second film in 1998 to star Vince Vaughn and Joaquin Phoenix. Can you name the first one? Don't look it up. <laughs> Just say you can't name it. I don't know it. Yeah. It's uh, the sec. The other film in 1998 that they were starting together was Return to Paradise. I see that now on his IMDb. He's got a really interesting name of Sheriff. In that movie? In that movie. Listen, it counts. Although I can see <laughs> in 1997, uh, Vince Vaughn did play a character named Clay. Oh, really? Oh, this is right after Lost World, too. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, 1997. Return to Paradise World. is about two friends who must choose whether to help a third friend who was arrested in Malaysia for drug possession. Do you remember that case? I don't know. If- I know the case. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't know they did a movie about it. Oh, they did. They did a couple movies about it. I think the one with Claire Danes, they did one too, kind of similar to that, where she gets caught trafficking. Her boyfriend puts it in her bag as she's trying to go to take a flight out. And they, I can't remember the name of that movie, but they they did a couple movies like that back in the 90s. So speaking of Vaughn, I wanted to talk about, I had a quote here about his character and you know, just kind of like how he visioned it out. And you're an, as you being an actor, I wanted to get your opinion on it. Sure. And, and, and I'm going to do the quote and then I'm going to ask your opinion on a certain <laughs> part of it. So Vaughn says about his character, Lester Long, he's a guy who isn't necessarily from the West. That's just an image he's created of himself. Whatever the, his reality is being badly hurt by women or whatever, he's made it over taking bits and pieces of things he's seen in movies. He's seen, he sees his life as a strange, strange Western movie with himself as the hero. He thinks He's a sane person in an insane world. Now, what I want to ask you about that quote is the part where he goes, whatever his reality is, being badly hurt by women or whatever, that seems to be that to me, that's a little more, that's a generalized idea of his character. Do you think that's as an actor, do you think that's enough for somebody to get in the mind of the character they're playing? Or do you think you should go deeper? I'm just curious. Uh, It depends on how he wants to play his character. Is he, if he's playing it like, Let's say you're playing the killer like the Joker, where he makes his own reality every time. He doesn't even know his own backstory. Then, yeah, that then your backstory doesn't matter. So Heath Ledger's Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, okay. or the Joker from the Killing Joke, the actual comic okay, book. Okay, all right. If you're looking back on killers and you're just like, all right, this is what I kind of want to be this comic book, which is kind of over the top like that. And you're like, he makes his own reality, even he doesn't remember at this point. He's so crazy, he doesn't even remember where he comes from. He just knows this is how I've built my reality based on I think I'm this West hero. Blah 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 blah. Sure. But he gets really mad when Joaquin, when Clay mentions his mother. Yes. Like easy, now, easy now. So clearly Vince Vaughn does kind of have an idea, mm-hmm. which is like hurt by women or whatever. So that's yes. I think in this case, I think he very generally went, he was hurt by women and this is what happened. And he doesn't really have a clear maybe story or maybe what he has is this clear story, but he doesn't really want to share it with 
anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's a much more personal thing for him that he doesn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Which, again, going back to Heath Ledger and his Joker, Heath Ledger made a whole journal right. that he did not want to share with anybody about like Joker's thoughts and stuff like that. When you get that into somebody's head, right. it's like embarrassing to be like, this is what I thought about. And it's like, it's, it's, Again, it's all playing pretend. It is. Professionally. It's just and how. And that's kind of weird to talk about with other people who might not get it. And they're just going to think you're nuts. No, I get that. I mean, you have to, I think for any, I think it's different for all actors right. and actresses. There's a certain level you, you go to, to get to into your character. Some may be able to, I always talk, I don't know if I've, I think I've told you this. Uh, my buddy worked on Gangs of New York and they. Oh, were, oh yeah. I, he's told me this story too. And I know. When they do the reshoots and you have um, Daniel Day-Lewis playing Bill the Butcher and this is, they shot the reshoots in New York. This is the, the end of the movie and he's getting, he's in character all the time and he's there doing pushups, getting ready for the scene. And then you have DiCaprio who plays, uh, I can't remember the, his name of his character in the movie. Um, and uh, he's just like laughing because he's looking at Daniel Day-Lewis just like in character doing pushups. He's just like, you know, so there's, and they're both great actors, but right. there's different ways they get to that. And I think for anybody, it's different. And, you know, whether whether Vince Vaughn, what I just said out here for Lester, maybe that's a, all he needs to do to get into that. It might need and somebody else might need to go further. You know what I mean? He, uh, yeah, I mean, and and you don't know from his quote. It's tough to glean from his quote how far he went into it. Is he just right. embarrassed on telling you more about it? I got it? you. That makes or sense. Or is that a generalized like, he's yeah, just, I think this is it. He's just saying that. You don't know. Yeah, no, that's fine. And, and mind you, this quote is... 20 something years old right. he's a different actor now than he is back then so there's his process might have changed as well and yeah so well, he's I, a I just strong cur- actor even back then though, no no, no. So. i just i just curious your thoughts on just in terms of from an actor's point of view somebody who how you approach roles and stuff like that for anyone listening out there that right. kind of thing I, I think both joaquin and vince vaughn and even janine garofalo who i actually really like when she's in films i think they all do a great job i think georgina cates does a great job as amanda because she plays a really good bitch. In she, this whole uh, film. Yeah, but she's got it. She's kind of one note, but I feel like she's supposed to be if it's supposed to be kind of like a indie. She's got that indie movie character kind of thing going on. Well, some of the things in this movie, like she just play, walks in, shoots the guy, the woman that I don't like that. If I don't like that. The clay clay is with and just kills him. She's like, whatever. And then she when, you know, Earl dies she doesn't really play the grooming widow. She's just going around looking for someone else to hang out with, to hook up with. There's, and then, so that there's that. And then when Lester is told when, when you find out Lester's not his real name because he's wherever he's working and the girl's like, I answered the phone. They're looking for Lester long. He runs like his own truck. Right. right, And she's like, who's that? And he's like, well, that's me, baby. It's like, there's actions where these, they don't really care if they get caught. They don't care about any of the consequences. They're just doing whatever the hell they want to do because they think they're going to get away with it. And I don't, that's more than one character that does that. So I, I question that. That That's another staple, I think, of these Western neo-noir films like we bring up, like Red Rock West and stuff like that. The characters do what they want because these are small towns where anything can happen and blah, blah, blah. It's just a staple of 90s indie <laughs> filmmaking of, of not living within the real world or within the boundaries of the real world, which does make them a little more caricatures. And I think maybe that's to harken back to the like a new version of the femme fatales and villains mobster villains of the 30s who would do whatever they wanted without regard like the mobster villains would tommy gun somebody themselves the mob boss and tommy gun a restaurant and walk out knowing that they can't get caught and this is just a new version of that Mm -hmm. is that good Eh, i'm not a huge fan of it but the only the only caveat in i would say in red rock west is that jt walsh runs the town he's the mayor he's the sheriff is he a mayor? No, he's the sheriff. He's the sheriff. He runs the town. So him doing whatever he wants makes sense because he can get away with whatever the hell he wants. He just right. gets caught. His deputies aren't, aren't stupid. Like in this one, the deputy's an idiot. We talk about in Red Rock West how the deputies are actually intelligent and they're, they're not idiots. Right. So they catch on to that nonsense. I have a bunch of quotes here. So <laughs> The director had a quote where he wanted everyone to be different than what they appear to be. The FBI agent who smokes pot. Ooh, the small town <laughs> sheriff who seems slow, but is the one who figures it out in the end. Uh, I mean, I understand that, but that's not something I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. The sheriff seemed stupid. I didn't. Th- I just thought the sheriff was so, when they introduced Sheriff Mooney, it's somebody who has been around. He's good. He's experienced. He's not a moron. I feel like, you know, yeah, he knows who he is. Yeah. Like he's a small time sheriff. He's confident. And he knows that. And he knows that what he does like, well, yeah, the councilman's here because of this. And he knows that 
he shouldn't do that. Right. That's what it, but the, he, he does. It's better to just go along with it. Right. And even when the FBI agents, when Shelby is interrogating Clay and they leave and the sheriff's like, I don't think he did it. Like he, he doesn't care about telling him, telling Shelby that, no, he's, you got the wrong person. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't falter to the sight of an FBI agent coming in and trying to run the show. Right. Yeah. He's just like, yep. All right. We can do, you know, he's kind of goes with the flow. I, I, I never, I didn't get that idea that he was, he was slow at all. But I, but I don't get the point that he figures it out either. He just knows that it's not, he knows it's not clay. clay. They know she meets Lester in the bar. So they, he, she already knows. They already know what he looks like. Yes. And, and so at the end, when they set him up, clay probably was like, listen, I'm going to go somewhere. He's going to follow me. He's going to find me. You know, and that's it. He just always will. He knew that. So they just said, be ready and I'll go to this bar and he'll be there. Yeah. Which uh, I'm not a huge fan of the ending. The ending is just it's it's a quick, tidy up ending. There's a lot of stuff in there. Like when Lester goes and sees Clay at the jail and then later on, Clay grabs the gun off the deputy and there's no bullets in the gun at the end at the at the scene at the um on the dock. The showdown on the dock. Yeah. It, it, that's awfully convenient. Like, so he's like, you think I'm going to let deputy have bullets when I'm there talking to you? It's like, so we're supposed to believe that you stealthily got the gun out of his holster, emptied the butt. Emptied oh, each bullet yeah. into your hands. But I will say on the, uh, the counter argument to that is he's, he's a psychopath. So he's clearly has intelligence. He's done this for quite some time. For sure. Yeah. So I can believe that he is smart enough to do that kind of thing. So I can argue both sides. Uh, which one's right? Who cares? Yeah. Also, Clay could have slipped through those bars. Those bars are really thick and he's really thin. <laughs> <laughs> he's Joker thin in this movie. He is really thin. That's how I was thinking the whole time. I'd never seen him like when he's the Joker, uh, Arthur Fleck in Joker is like, wow, he's really thin and gaunt looking and gross. I've never seen him like that. And this one, like, he's really thin. and gaunt. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him like that since Joker. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like right before this is. A year before Gladiator, and he looks. Gladiator was two thousand. So he he's looks shooting. far he probably, older he, in this movie than he does in Gladiator. What really? Well, he beefed up probably, so. and well, he's not and, that beefy in Gladiator. Well, I'm talking about uh, strength wise. Strength wise in Gladiator, probably worked out for that. Uh, well, he's the little yeah, but he's TV he has guy. he knows sword fighting techniques in that movie. Yeah, but yeah, he's just like Ugh, really, really. <laughs> I'm, I I wonder if that was his character choice. And I'm sure he does a lot of work in his character. So, so this movie's produced by Ridley Scott. I wonder if this is the movie that got him Gladiator because he probably met Joaquin Phoenix or worked with him or liked what he saw and and offered him the role. Or we'll say he's far and away he elevates this film being the main Phoenix? character for sure. Which is basically every film he's in having Joaquin Phoenix is going to elevate your film in some right. way because he does such a great job. But I feel like him is the main character of Clay. Clay doesn't speak a whole ton. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not like super silent, mm -hmm. but you can really see what's going on in his head in every action that he does. All his little tics, all his little mannerisms, the emotions that he has, that sadness, the fear, uh, the doubt, all that kind of stuff, the anger. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, that's, that's really good acting. When he punches the door, when Amanda. Oh, uh, when he wants God, to punch he, her in the face. Yeah. yeah. He realizes that she's still got stuff on him and he just hits the door a bunch of times and sits down like all quivering. Like that's, that was really good acting. Do you like the fact that you're never on his face though? That's from behind the head. That's yeah. on her. I'm okay with that. Okay. Because that's, that's also her moment too, to not, to be able to trust him as an actor. The whole time I'm like, that's a lot of trust right there. <laughs> I'm going to hit that door like real hard and you're really close. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, I enjoyed that scene post murder a lot. I do not enjoy the slow motion shooting. Like it's some kind of cop movie. <laughs> Uh, the fact that the bullets hit the pillows, but don't go through and hit clay in the head. Uh, and the fact that oh, when right. you see the body's bullet wounds, they're actually like they squirted ketchup packet holes on, 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 uh, it's an $8 million dollar film, man. No, we, don't, we, don't, don't show the bullet holes then. We, we could be doing that for our commercials <laughs> bullet holes, or just show me a spatter of blood. Sorry. I left like Lester long there. Uh, <laughs> you do it a lot better than I do. I can't do it. When we were walking in. You did a really good. No, no, thank you. Thank you. So why do you think, Shane Beauregard, who suggested this, thought this was forgotten. Why do you think you think? Why do you think it's forgotten? Didn't make any money. Was release limited. Yeah, I think it's. We're, we're, we've done a lot of. I think. Pooping on the movie a little bit, like saying pooping like, on the movie. Uh, the PG version. <laughs> but I, 
overall, I did enjoy watching this. It wasn't, I was not a fan at the beginning. I just kept, it was just all about the use of camera. It's like half of my notes are the use of camera in this film, the way the edit is and the way the story kind of plays out. Like you said, it's it's a it's a film school script, which I have some a similar note in here. Yeah, uh, it's like it's draft two. I said, and don't get me wrong, I said too. Nice job. Don't get me wrong, I've written scripts like that. Oh, so, so and, and if and if Everyone one of my script, does right. it, the first one they're starting out. And if I wrote a script like that and it got picked up and it was made, and then twenty years later someone says, "Oh, it's like a film school script," I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I made money, so uh, well, that's fine with me. And they've all gone on to do right. some good, uh, other than the writer who's yeah, which is weird. I don't, I'm some, I don't know, yeah. maybe it just didn't. Which is too bad because as if this is his starter script, he could have had is, yeah. This is a strong sure. starter script, sure. Uh, but the performances are great. Mm-hmm. Although the story is a little ridiculous and it's not a comedy, I, I did enjoy the story. I think it could could have been fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it's made now, I don't want it to be longer. <laughs> but I think you could redo it to be a little longer and maybe explore Lester's relationship with Clay a little bit more to make both Lester more interesting and to make his friendship with Clay maybe more tragic mm-hmm. and sad mm-hmm. and also more believable. His His need to latch on to Clay or show me a quick scene where he's just gotten rid of his last best friend and the last best. Oh friend yeah. Okay. Now, something like that. And right. like you said, we don't like to rewrite movies, so I don't, we don't, I don't want to throw out that first scene, but just something that establishes his friendship with clay a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And maybe the ridiculousness of the murders and how easy it is to dispose of bodies. <sighs> very, of. very easy in Mercer, Montana. Yeah. Like I get that as part of the quote unquote comedy, but it just doesn't. Right. Work. Why do you think it's forgotten? It's an indie. And I think if you're not an indie that makes huge amount of business, if you're not Blair Witch, Blair Witch Project, if you're not Clerks, if you're not a movie like Slacker, that not not so much a successful in terms of uh, financial success, but Critical Darling or launches a career like Slacker did for Richard Linklater. Or Swingers the year before. For Swingers for uh, Lyman and Favreau. Favreau wrote it with Vaughn, I believe. Yeah, I believe and they wrote Lyman it directed it. I could be wrong. Yeah, if if you're not if you're not an indie that makes a big, big splash. I think you're forgotten. There are probably hundreds upon hundreds of indie films that are really good that I've seen that you don't hear from anymore. You don't, there's, you know, you never. And and we're going to, I'm going to bring this up again because you always do. You know how you used to see those all the time? Yeah. Like late afternoon TV sure. on the film channels when everybody had cable. Mm-hmm. And now that everyone's cutting those cords and it's just streaming services, it's hard to find them because you're not, switching through and it's not automatically playing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well we found this on stars this is on stars stars actually stars. has a decent collection of weird well, television you know it's funny so movies. we're recording this the week that we just released devil in a blue dress yes so last night it's on stars i'm like yeah nice that's where i that's, yeah. like, that's where we, well, watched, we watched it on stars, but it was yeah. actually on like it's one of like, on it, was there, like yeah. it was on like eight o'clock or something like oh, nice. okay, yeah, nice. yeah that's what i meant um yeah, so this was on. I guarantee you, we're gonna see this. I'm gonna see this in stars in a couple of weeks. This is they're gonna <laughs> just be playing. It'll be playing. To our, uh, should I hashtag? We stars? should. We don't. We should. We should really reach out to them. And be like, listen, we do a lot of movies that you show. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. that uh, <laughs> Sorry, but again, like you've mentioned, this is something that maybe would be on an end cap at a video store as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. This, this is would that, be this with like stuff. Red Rock West, The Last Seduction. You can see clay pigeons there. You would see like these crime noir 90s slash, you know, comedy movies. I hate to say it. I don't because I don't like this movie. You'd probably see this with uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead. You'd, you, you know, don't like that? No, I do not. I remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. I thought it was okay. I saw that movie and it felt like somebody watched Pulp Fiction, went home and wrote a script. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, and I, I mean, that's great. And Pulp Fiction inspired you because it's a fantastic film. But nah, no. But yeah, I. But you're right. You could. This is a movie you would find in the video store, and, Which, it, and yeah, Redbox now. Hopefully, that's what's nice about the audience suggestion, like you say that we do. Yeah. Because I would never have seen this movie otherwise. I mean, maybe if I was flipping through stars and really bored, I probably wouldn't have suggested it to for like our master list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's nice, and and maybe maybe we should just go through stars and see what they're or any of the movie channel things because they do tend to have some good independent films maybe not hbo so much anymore because they're kind of focusing on their own content mostly yeah but like stars uh showtime epic stuff like movie channels like that that have a nice back catalog of older films we should just go through and say oh wow that's that's weird it always bugs me when i flip through hbo and there's a bunch of channels and it's just they're running binge marathons of a of a show 
you know, like, like, and I'm sure the shows are great succession or whatever, but like the whole day is succession. Whole day. The whole day is, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're done with movies, which is fine. Cause their, their television shows are great, but then just drop the, drop the movie aspect then go all in. Right. All right. So thanks again for, thanks again, Mr. Shane Beauregard at Shane Media Mosh for suggesting this movie. As you can tell, we gave our thoughts, but as always, everyone, if you haven't watched it, check it out. You should check it out. It's definitely worth checking yeah. out. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So if you guys like our podcast, if you guys like listening to Clay Pigeons, maybe you're listening to this for the first time because Shane Beauregard told you, hey, I'm on Forgotten Cinema or my movie's on Forgotten Cinema. We are Forgotten Cinema and we release a new episode every Wednesday. Wherever podcasts can be found, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, wherever it is. We're all over the place. You can also find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. You can listen to all of our older episodes. We are now five seasons in. We have over a year's worth of movies going on. We also have a merch store. You can go on, log on, get shirts, mugs, stickers, whatever it is that plasters our uh, (laughs) over your body or items uh, to advertise for us. We're also on the social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod. Um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us. Hit us uh, a message if you want. This is our season of audience suggestions, but it doesn't mean that we're done with audience suggestions. This just happens to be an entire season of it, but we do take your suggestions and we will put it on our list and we will get to it. Uh, it might end up being a Forgotten Cinema Fight Club if Field really hates it or I really hate it, but yeah. we'll get to it at some point. Next week might be that. So next week we are doing a movie that was suggested to us by another Twitter handle that follow us, the Countdown Pod. So they're at Countdown PC on Twitter. I'm going to read the description of their podcast. Hosts Paul and Wayne each week rip into each other while providing down-to-earth movie reviews and counting down film lists. Part of CC Radio. That sounds like us, Butler. Um, They are actually from Perth, Australia. So this is an international... uh, Oh, nice. Right. So they have suggested, they suggested Mystery Men. And that's what we're going to do next uh, week. It is going to be a fight club because you didn't want me to put this on the nope, list. I do not. I'm not a big fan. I, I'm i not a big fan of Mystery Men. I like some stuff, but not a lot. I love a lot of Mystery Men. And Mystery Men also stars Janine Garofalo. Uh, wow. Two Garofalo movies back to back. Yep. Double Garofalo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that'll be next week, Mystery Men. Uh, thanks again for listening, everyone. Um, have a great week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. You got a milkshake? You got to make it with real milk? Real milk? Get your hands off my straw, motherfucker. (laughs) Uh, I can tell why this place is going to do a business. He's a good boy. Smiling good boy. Hey. I killed her. <laughs>